I guess like it might be good to almost have an example with a new project of like the kind of things you might do. Yes. Um, so what happens when something new like that comes in the door? They start talking to you and start asking questions about what do, what do they ask yeah, about? Yeah, so like, <laughs> I guess we get like a few different leads. So some are just literally people calling or emailing through to the office, yeah. in which case it will come straight through to me. Yeah. Others might be like friends of ex-clients or... Um, or some are more commercial clients who we've sort of worked on bigger projects with before and then they approach us to do another one. So that's yeah. a bit more straightforward. But for the ones that come purely through whatever it is, yeah. email yeah. or call, I'll often get their details and either have a quick chat over email just to mm. kind of get a snapshot of what they want to do because that gives me a good understanding of whether mm. it's something yeah. awesome that we potentially want to do or, okay, maybe it's not going to work for us. Yeah. Um, from there, I normally set up a phone call. It's really good to hear what people yeah. sound like yeah. or how they interact. I think that's really important. I guess yeah. our projects don't always need to be, you know, rich clients wanting yeah. to do all this crazy stuff. But they need to be really good clients because they're going to work with them for a couple of years in most yeah. instances. Um, so you sort of trying to get a feel for... Do they sort of sound like dickheads? Yes. We have a no dickhead policy here. Um, and we're pretty yeah. adamant on it because yeah. if I get a slight feeling like, no, nah, they're going to be too difficult yeah. or it's just not going to align with what we do here, yeah. there's there's yeah. really no point yeah. meeting yeah. up a bunch of times. Yeah, um, of course. So that's important. And then once we call it like the dating game, so yeah. that's kind of like the pre-date and we'll have like our first date, which will be normally here, um, yeah. meet them again, sort of h- hear about their brief in a bit more detail, yeah. see how they interact. Sometimes I'm only talking to the wife or the husband. If they bring yeah. the other one in, it's interesting to see, yeah. sure. you know, how their dynamic yeah. is because that will play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, if that's all great, then mm. we normally kind of look at our resourcing, prepare um, an offer of services, yeah. which details everything we're going to do, and that, you know process sure. get started in sure. a nutshell yeah so it's pretty interesting what sort of questions do you ask on that initial phone call is it just like a friendly conversation or is it like do you have a sort of a script that you work from and things that you're trying to sort yeah, of work out specifically i've got a pretty prescriptive list i don't ask it like shooting them 10 yeah, yeah, questions yeah, yeah. Like, i try and pose it a bit more natural it's a bit more like it just it just it, just, oh, it just, just sort of flows but no i do uh, i do have yeah. a list of quite specific questions so some are like pretty obvious in terms of like you know what's your brief what do you want to do yeah. others are more about um i try and find out what they do for work a because i'd like to know if they're going to be working from home this is mm, resi mm, clients mm. res clients but b i guess yeah. It does play a big part in yeah. the jobs we do and don't take on yeah. for residential work where we're not yeah. doing as much of it. We like it to be meaningful. Um, I try and find out about their budget if they know it or get an idea of what their limits would be. That's not because mm-hmm. we really necessarily care about their budget, but we've got to make sure that it aligns with what they've just answered as to what they want to do. Yeah, And often yeah. it doesn't. So yeah. then it does become our job to either manage their expectations or work with them to either, you know, meet meet the budget or meet the brief and yeah. and, and alter the other one. Yeah. Um, so they're the sort of, yeah, questions we ask. Yeah. I like, what else do I like to ask? I like to ask how they found out about us. So do, do they know what we yeah. do? Do they know what we sort of stand for in our, you know, yeah. our values? Um, 
And if there's any particular project they've seen of ours that they love or don't love, because that obviously yeah. gives us an idea of how yeah. we approach this yeah. next one. Yeah. And then timing. Timing's always really interesting. Really so yeah. like commercial jobs or fit outs, the timing's obviously like ridiculously short. Yeah. Yeah. Um like it's like can you start next week? Yeah. Residential jobs alter some are quite strict like they really want to be in within a year or two in which case I've got to explain well there's this little thing called council and planning that <laughs> yeah. um yeah doesn't matter if you've got the most amazing architect there's nothing you can do yeah. to avoid that or um speed it up so yeah they're the main sort of questions yeah yeah so then it will go to a meeting where so now it's not just you at this point like you'll maybe the other people who are, who are the other people that will be in a meeting uh, um, so it's either it'll either just be me depending on what the job is or I'll bring in either like our design director Jeremy yeah. or um, our director Bonnie yeah. or potentially our associate um, here fairly yeah. so it really depends on what the project is sure. the scale of it yeah. um, it's nice to have someone else in the room from our team just to get a second opinion or mm. you know yeah. get their thoughts on how yeah. we best approach it particularly yeah. when it's a big job um, that would be the first date. Then after that, regardless, I'll sit down with Fairley, who helps um, manage the office and resources and yeah. scheduling, and we'll sort of work out, okay, by then we know it's either you know an awesome client or not an yeah. awesome client. If it is an awesome client, we'll work out, okay, how do we approach this? Who do we resource it out to? How yeah. many people do we need? How long yeah. is this going to take? Like really scheduling and forecasting yeah. it and yeah. working out, okay can we do this or can't we? Is and that a pretty difficult process or have you figured it out at um, this point? No, it, it is sort of difficult because yeah. I guess with architecture it is... Um, like so much unexpected. You can, yeah, you can, yeah. You, you can forecast it to a particular degree, but, mm. you know, you get clients that have to put things on hold or things um, take longer than expected or mm. a lot shorter than expected and they, you know, want to suddenly push it out in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. It is difficult. Then also you've got an office with, you know, 17 people who all have different, um, you know, needs and things happening. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, you know, someone needs two eggs off because something's happened. Well, that puts a huge halt in a project that they're leading. So it's probably more difficult than I um, anticipated or expected. So, yeah, yeah, we try and do our best, but it it is, Mm. yeah, it's a bit of a challenge for sure. So you mentioned that you ask where people find out about um, breathe from. Um, I'm guessing like the word of mouth ones. Uh, are, you know, they're they're pretty pretty simple. I yeah. guess like I guess like two part question. Like, do they come in and they expect to sort of be chatting to Jeremy straight away? Do they have a personal connection with the design director, or do they just see? Do your past clients tend to see Breathe as just like a brand that is just a team? Do they look at it that way, or is it like do they have a personal feeling of? I'm, you know, I'm working specifically with either Jeremy or yeah. somebody else in the firm. Like, yeah. is that the um, kind of... Probably half-half. Like, yeah. Jeremy's pretty well publicised. He does a lot of talks and yeah. events and interviews. So I think um, he certainly has a name and a, and a reputation, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And yes, for sure, some people ring and go, okay, I'd like Jeremy at my house next week. Or, yeah, yeah. That's... And I've got to sort of reel them back in and say, well, it doesn't work like that. And, yeah. and yes... He is often the face of yeah. this studio, yeah. Um, yeah. but there's a bunch of yeah. other people. He's kind of managed, or it sounds like he's kind of managed to create steps and responsibilities for other people. That means that even when it's something as important as new clients coming into the office, you can sort of be a little bit removed from the process. Yeah. 
or like because he kind of needs to be, I guess. Yeah. Or like, do you feel like he, you found a good balance between not having to treat your clients like they're speaking to number one straight away, like yeah. they're the most important client in the world, versus you know the needs of the business to have Jeremy kind of yeah. doing things. I think and, we've got a pretty good system in place yeah. now. So and and it wasn't always this way, yeah. but it's I think it's working pretty you know really well now actually. Yeah. Um, as soon as I sort of introduce myself and let them know that I, you know, handle and, and, we'll, and we'll help them through the process, I guess their they, expectation maybe changes. They get it though at that point? Yeah, yeah. most of them. Yeah, we yeah. still get the odd ones that, you know, refuse like, to speak to. Yeah, 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 why would like I speak to this? The sort of can I talk to the manager type exactly, people. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I don't want to speak to this young chick who's yeah. got, you know, no Google. Yeah, yeah. Rep. But, um, you know, those people then, that's they want to speak like that or have the expectation of yeah, maybe like... Ding, ding. You're like, you're failing yeah, quick one on the probably, phone call. I don't know how it's going to end up. But um, the others yeah. are normally, like, everyone's really receptive. It, it works really well for them because, unfortunately, if they were to get through to Jeremy, he'll, he can hardly ever respond. Like, his yeah, he's, yeah, diary is yeah, manic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, most of the time it's pretty good. I think Jeremy certainly got a um, really awesome reputation, but so does Breathe, and that often yeah. speaks for itself. So... I don't think people always, no, expect to speak to mm, you know, the mm, top mm, dog. Mm. And where they do, we just sort of try and explain to them, you know, this is this is how yeah, it works and yeah. we're all here to help. It's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely approach each client as them being number one, which I think is important yeah. too. And I guess our other part of that strategy is not committing to it until we know what's happening, but also having a bit of a plan in place so telling them from day one like we really want to work with you but just so you know we can't start for four or six weeks mm. um is important mm. so that they actually you know they understand yeah. but but then they also know that in that you know by the time it gets to that six weeks we've we've got a project architect appointed we've got a team ready to go and once we say we'll start mm. we'll start and we'll mm. finish it mm. um so these are all the yeah i guess the things that play into those first few meetings yeah. and just being realistic yeah. and honest we're really sometimes too honest yeah. <laughs> um, practice yeah. but I think it works you know it works really well in the long yeah. run because people know and feel like they can trust us which they can yeah um and yeah we'd rather kind of I guess under promise and over deliver than, yeah yeah than be well, the other way around it sounds like you've got a pretty easy to understand procedure I, I guess and you're cl- and you're clear like you're in control of the situation it sounds like you're prepared, you understand, you know what's going on, you're communicating that to the clients. It's not like a mess when you're saying like six weeks, you kind of like mean six weeks. Yeah. And it's there's a purpose behind like everything you're communicating to them. Yeah. Um, I think what's what's sort of interesting is the, the ability to play pretty realistic and not over-promise and not try to over-deliver yeah. at the beginning. I feel like a lot of smaller firms kind of struggle with that because um, there's a sense of like... You know, you want you want the project, so you kind of have to, you know, make it make yeah. it happen. But yeah, um, which we do as well. Like you know, we love getting new work; it's mm. really enjoyable. But I think mm. yeah, you've got to be realistic about can we do it right now? Um, mm. And even where we love it, just let them know and be yeah, I guess yeah. really forward about that. But yeah. as long as they understand, it's, it's a, you know, it's a great process. Yeah, there's steps. Yeah, we know what we're doing. Yeah, it's all sorted. Yeah. So I'm pretty interested to hear the sort of story about how you got to breathe <laughs> and doing the breathe nightingale. No, I mean, we've only really talked about breathe. We've still got nightingale, 
for anybody listening to the show who's just like kind of living under a rock and is <laughs> or is basically not in the architecture community or could be, but overseas. Yeah. Um, haven't really heard about Nightingale. Maybe give give your little sort of elevator pitch. <laughs> like, cause it's it's kind of complicated. Like, you can always Google it, and there's so much information lot, on the website, yeah. so many PDFs, so much like little specific details that the more you read about it, the more you go, oh, this is just like really cool. But how would you sort of summarise what Nightingale is and how Breathe, what's the story with it and Breathe and how does yeah, it work sure. and that sort of thing? Um, well, you're right. I still struggle to um, summarise it in a nice short yeah. paragraph, but um, I'll give it a go. So I guess essentially we're an at-cost housing provider that centres mm. around three or four main pillars, which is quite different to a standard development so there's a few key players in all our projects, which is um, financial sustainability, environmental sustainability, and then community and like social sustainability. Um, I guess also importantly, all our projects are architect-led, not developer-led, mm-hmm. um, and that they're not driven by money or profit. So there's actually no profit made. It's it's at cost. Whatever it costs mm-hmm. us to build is what mm-hmm. we sell it for in the end to residents. Mm-hmm. Um, we try and incorporate a bunch of things in all our projects, which is also quite different to what you see on the market. Um, mm-hmm. So just outside of all our sustainability goals, it's also about incorporating um, community housing, mm. housing for key service workers, mm. um, and delivering it at a, at a price point that is more affordable than what mm. um, we're finding in the surrounding context. So it's still not, mm. it's still not cheap as chips. It's still mm. not where we want it mm. to be, but it's certainly... Um, it's certainly being delivered at a, at a lower price point than the market. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. I guess it's the most important thing, I, I think, to understand about Nuttier Housing yeah. is that it's driven by different motives and goals as to what, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess a stand yeah. developer yeah. would be driven by. Yeah. Um, a lot of our project teams go on to, you know, purchase and live in the apartments, yeah. um, which is yeah. pretty different and, and pretty wonderful. So I guess it's a real credit to the project um, yeah. and to what we've set up so yeah so yeah yeah um, that's really cool and we deliver to a waitlist which is also yeah. quite different yeah um, it's not an exclusive waitlist at all it's just a means of us recording where people want us to do projects and it also allows us to interact with them and, and gain a bit more information about what yeah what the projects to look like and include um, yeah so we'll constantly keep trying to keep up with that waitlist um, mm. at the moment we're we're struggling to keep up. There's a lot of demand. and I really supply. do want to talk about the waitlist because I think it's like a unique kind of marketing strategy, but I guess there's so many different spots. I hate that word. You're not allowed to say that word at night. Marketing strategy. Yeah, no marketing Oh, strategy. no marketing. Yeah, well, that's the other thing that <laughs> no, I no, find. When there's um, the sort of diagram of... I think a really like iconic Nightingale diagram of like why is it cheaper than you know, why the understand thing yeah. and it's like all these it's got the lines. all these line graphs yeah. of like marketing gone, agents yeah, gone, gone, like air conditioning gone, <laughs> parking spaces gone, and then you le- and then you've got like and then you've just got all this sort of saving, really all this difference. kind of like you know somewhat unnecessary stuff that's kind of like you know just part of the model and where people are taking their like cut along the way yeah. it's very like direct to consumer I think Nightingale is almost a lot like a company like Koala Mattresses or something that goes like we just sell our products straight to the customer yeah. and cut Order out all the middlemen and all that yeah. sort of thing but it's not it's not the same because you're you're not you know it's that simple <laughs> yeah yeah exactly 
Well, I mean, so the so the sort of zero dollar marketing is kind of what fascinates me quite a lot. Yeah. Um, like a lot of how can you can you say like how many people maybe at peak times have been on the kind of Nightingale wait list for? Yeah. So well, at the moment we've got over five thousand people Whoa. on the wait list. So this is people kind of expression of interesting for. Buying a, buying a Nightingale apartment yeah, at so some project somewhere in ju- in Melbourne or just like everywhere. So it's everywhere. It's open yeah. up. It's open up Australia wide. Yeah. Um. Essentially, with that wait list, you know, we're still trying to, um, I guess, sift through that data. We are completely aware that they're not five thousand people ready to purchase next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. They're sure. often, you know, people that are interested or, or maybe they're thinking about doing it the next five years yeah, or yeah. or a bunch of them are really ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess what, what you do is you sign up to the wait list and you're asked a couple of questions about where you want to live, mm. Um, mm. a bit about yourself, and that mm. then goes into a database, um, which means we can sort of pull out postcode stats when we're looking to purchase new sites, which is really helpful. Mm. But it also means that we can then ping those people when we've got yeah, the next project yeah, up exactly. and running. Okay. So um, it's a really, I guess, simple mechanism. I mean, it started here in the Commons in Nightingale 1 with, I think it was about 10 people on the wait list, literally through word of mouth, you know, friends yeah, of another friend. and like five of them friend. worked here. Exactly. And then like the next year there was 100 people yeah. and still then it was kind of yeah. manageable and okay. Yeah. And then um, as the sort of last couple of years have mm. gone on, it's, yeah, it's grown to a couple of thousand, which is where you yeah. know, we actually dedicated team to um hmm. very small team but dedicated team to help manage that but also yeah. you know yeah. software to help to help it's, it's, manage so it's so cool so you've got this list of like 5000 people and just to kind of like clarify the kind of questions that people get asked when they sign up are like where are you hoping to live or is yeah, it like yeah, where do you live now or what um yeah like, it's just mainly like where, where would like, you like what to, suburb would you like to live in yeah and they can either they can either identify like a postcode or a suburb or a region like yeah know, north side south side whatever yeah. it be yeah. um what other things do they what, what other things do they tell you about themselves Need to look into that. So oh, that's I just, cool. Uh, ignore that one. Like, uh, we've recently updated it, so yeah. I just need to. Double it's like check. not. It's not a whole bunch of information. It's like contact no, no, info like, and like a little. It wouldn't even probably be budget. Or I, I remember actually looking at it budget, recently. No, it's it's no, no. nothing super specific, but it tells you enough to help with this. your business. I think yeah. I think planning. it asks if you, if you need. I can't remember if things I like. I think you it asks if you need a car spot. Car spot. Yeah. And potentially. Um, I can't remember if this initial one asks if you have like pets or kids or something like that. I don't remember seeing pets no, and kids on there, but but I think it might, might have, have added that. Chain, yeah, because you're thinking about like the composition of different apartment sizes in the exactly, building and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly, yeah, which we yeah. often... So we'll then ask that in the next survey, which is much more yeah. much more in-depth. Once yeah. we've sort of got a project half up and running, yeah. we'll go to that um, potential... It's like quite a big pool of people then yes. who have all identified yes. wherever it be, Fairfield. Yeah. And we'll ask them... A serious, you know, probably takes almost like an hour long survey, and that's mm-hmm. quite in depth because mm-hmm. that helps us, yeah, exactly mm. inform the mix and the breakup of the building, but also other things that go into it. Mm. Um, but the initial one is really just more about the region. It also means like when we're looking at um, sort of more regional towns, like we can actually go back and see, okay, how many people really want us to look into you mm. know, Ballarat or Geelong mm. or something else because. It's, yeah, I guess it's really important. At the moment, we're obviously nowhere near meeting the demand of the wait list, 
so that's our real focus is to help mm. help them and then mm. we'll, then we'll keep going and you know look at yep. look at other areas yep. or look at a, a wider range of yep. of um people but yep. yeah so does that kind of um that sort of informs how how early when you sort of start, okay, imagine you identify like Geelong, really interesting area, got a lot of people with that postcode on our mailing, on our waiting list. Mm-hmm. Is there a step of where you do like a second, so you do like a second level of confirmation um, or like imagine you start then with the architect or whatever. At what point do you start actually bringing that group of people into the into the mix or like yeah. sort of contacting them and reaching out to them? Yeah, it's... At the moment, it's quite different if it's here in the city or a more regional area. The regional areas tend to be, uh, and we are sort of, you know, I guess trialling it or looking into it at the moment, will be architect-led, so drumming out interest and support. We don't have hundreds of people saying that they want to, mm. you know, live in a Nightingale in mm. regional areas. We've mm. got we've got a bunch of people really interested and mm. we think it's important, but not mm. enough to drive yeah. a project at the moment. So they'll tend to be architect-led, though. Yeah, they'll have information evenings. They'll have Q and A's. They'll yep. set up a bit of yep. a, a bit, bit of a, a hub, and that will are. then build a community. From there, yep. will run as a standalone yep. girl. Here in the city, where we know the demand's pretty high, it's led slightly different. So we can actually go out to, I guess, what we call the long list. So anyone mm. that's identified that area and say, "Hey, we've got this awesome site. Um, mm. We've got you know this and this architect running it." Mm. Um, are you interested? And from there, we'll normally hold like an information mm. session about mm. just introducing the site, introducing the architects who are going to lead it, mm. Um, mm. answering any really initial questions. Mind you, this is still like yeah. super, super initial. Yeah. From there, we'll go out to that long list NAS and to fill in um, a design survey, yeah. so that long, yeah, that yeah, long yeah. survey. Um, and then essentially over the next few months, it will the group will dwindle because we keep having couple more information sessions that get more and more detailed and I guess we're kind of asking people to stay in as they wish to commit so they might come to the first session because they're just a bit interested yeah just curious but then the next one will be okay well we're actually looking at these apartments are you still interested in potentially purchasing next year yeah a bunch of people will go okay not really that's not a problem and so it sort of progresses um to different stages in that group yeah, keeps getting smaller, and in the end, we're you know hopefully, or we are left with yeah. <laughs> no, but they're not tested. It's just like it's just purely. They if have they to want like yeah, build a build a fort and then no, throw balls into yeah, it. We, no, um, yeah, yeah. It's just like you, you do have to be committed to the process. Yeah. It's something else that makes us different, or yeah. it's a different. Yeah. Um, a different game. It's really important to us. It's so cool that I, I guess it's like very, um, it's very startup, iterative kind of developing with your customers kind of way of doing things yeah. that I think is so, um, so different as yeah. well. I mean, so many things that are so different about it. But even just the way projects are generated, where you're getting like, kind of handling a large group of people and trying to understand their preferences and try and customize you're kind of customising to the average of what they sort of all want the most, but yeah. you're not necessarily going to give everybody the the best sort of most, you know, unique thing that they yeah, can possibly no, hope for. But no, we can't. you're going to try and go, this is like 15 people, this is what they kind of need generally yeah. and kind of go from there. So it's is does that information sort of help to drive the design process? 
Oh, for quite sure. A lot. For sure. So I guess like coming back to that little squiggly diagram you're talking yeah, about. Um, yeah. Yes, we are. We are led by residents, but only to a certain extent. Yeah. I guess when we're trying to um, deliver on affordability, it obviously. Yeah. And then we do spend a lot of time explaining this to people. Yeah. We can't deliver 20 unique be- um, yeah, of course. Yeah. bespoke yeah. apartments yeah. because that yeah. affordability would, you know, yeah. drop right out the window. Um, but it is about making decisions on mass, and that's why we are quite prescriptive also in the city about how many units or apartments we put on each um, site, where the site can tolerate it, and it's because we want to achieve this certain economy of scale, which you can only do with that yeah. um, number of apartments. So. Yeah. Yes, it does help inform it. We then also get them to, to help drive the design. So we're not anti-car park or necessarily yeah. even always anti-air conditioning or things like yeah, that, yeah. but it, it is reflective of what those residents it want. It depends what they're residents Yeah, are. so yeah. you know, let's say you've got 20 apartments and two people really want a car spot. Yeah. There is absolutely no benefit to the rest yeah. of the building sure. spending sure. you know half a million dollars on a mm. basement mm. and having to add on an extra... 30, 40K yep. to everyone's apartment yep. for a car spot yep. if 80% of the building don't want it, mm. in which case it's not a, it's not normally a problem because, you know, we've got go-get, we've got car next door, yep. people rent Quite all like the, the empty train. car spots yeah. that are literally yeah. across yeah. the road yeah. in other buildings, so it's not a problem. Um, yeah. But things like that is where we can help reduce the cost yeah. of the building. Um, so their decisions, yeah, made on mass, but everyone importantly is informed about all those decisions along the way, yeah. which is also really different yeah. to when yeah. you go and buy stand apartment off mm. off plan. Mm. You, mm. you kind of you know, pay your deposit, yes. get a call in two years, hopefully when it's done <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, whereas <laughs> this so is, scary. yeah, this is really <laughs> like once you become a, a resident, you're or a purchaser, you're kind of kept in the loop each month. So that's pretty unique. What what sort of if if you had a feeling for the people that buy Nightingale Apartments, what they sort of rank as their best sort of takeaways from the experience? Yeah. Um, obviously, the apartment itself. But do you get any kind of qualitative feedback from them on, I really love the way that we started to become friends with other tenants, you know, months before the building was finished, you know, like Number this sort one. of stuff? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely like... Time and time again, it's community, and they yeah. say, you know, thanks for creating community. And we often say, yeah. well, actually, we didn't do anything. We help facilitate yeah. it. Yeah. We help yeah. sort of say, oh, you know, you could do this. You and basically this. organize meetups. Exactly. Like, that's <laughs> the only yeah. cool thing we do is yeah. actually saying, like, you know, create a WhatsApp group or whatever. And that's not yeah. actually also self formed. It's not, yeah. it's not not to get oh, housing so going, cute. hey, here's a. They got all these people a, in their WhatsApp group, all these people that want to become neighbors. Yeah, that but is like, so cute. Once the building's kind of up and running, yeah. you know who else has purchased because you meet up. We do. Then do they, do, yeah, 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 yeah. we do like monthly walkthroughs with the builder, which is pretty incredible too. Often something that you're not allowed yeah. to do, but yeah. we work with great builders yeah. who are happy to do that. So then each month, you know, you're meeting on a Saturday morning. You're going through your building together. You're walking into each other's apartments that, you know, might not have any walls really? yet, but you can actually see oh, what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, of yeah. Course, yeah. And then, you know, you go and have a coffee together. So yeah. you're exactly right. For six, 12 months before you even get the keys, you've obviously met everyone. You're yeah. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. You know their dogs' names, their yeah. kids' names. And yeah. then suddenly you're in this finished building and you've already got, you know, 20 other friends. Yeah. So yeah. it's <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, I guess also knowing That's that, like... So cool. Yeah, everyone in the building has similar yeah. values because they've bought into that yeah, building is sure. a nice base level of, yeah. I think, a friendship. Um, 
it's not prescriptive. No one has to, like, hang out every Sunday and do stuff yeah. together. It's pretty yeah. self-formed. A bunch of people, you know, love certain aspects but also just want to have their, you know, quiet time yeah. and that's not a problem. Yeah. I guess it's why we make sure we incorporate areas that you, you can hang out and, and mm. be a bit more pub- public mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, Mm-hmm. Everyone can shut their door easily mm-hmm. and, and, and tune out. So yeah. Yeah. it's, no, yeah. yeah, nothing revolutionary. It's just yeah. like really helping facilitate it and being, um, and being honest and open about that from the start. So, yeah. yeah. So would you say that, um, well, I guess, I guess my gut, my kind of gut feeling about the way that waitlist has grown just from watching Nightingale and like the, the interest in the project has just been a lot of. I see things like articles in the in the news about some some uh, new uh, something newsworthy happening with planning or the council or something, and then it gets posted and on Facebook specifically, then this massive conversation or, or like debate sort of ensues in the comments of everyone going like taking one side or the other against yeah. it. But the ones that take the side for it, I feel like other people see that. And then they read about it and they're curious about it. And is it, has it been like a very just kind of guerrilla word of mouth, people telling people kind of process? Or what's – you didn't really have to – did you have to work too much or did Breathe have to work too much to get the Nightingale concept out? You mentioned there was kind of like exponential growth mm. from sort of like 10 to 100 people and then to like 5,000 people. Yeah. Um what is what is kind of driving that? I mean, you're yeah. sort of seeing it now, where it's probably going to go to like ten thousand people yeah. over the next couple of years. So, where is that like that momentum come come kind of coming from? Yeah, um, I think there's a, f- a couple of factors in in it. Um, as I said, yeah, we don't have, we don't have a marketing team. We don't yeah. have anyone that does marketing anything yeah. intentional. We we have someone that r- helps run the Instagram, mm-hmm. but that's again nothing. Um, you you can see it's not curated in any particular <laughs> way at all. Um, I think a lot of it's through word of mouth, particularly yeah. at the start. You know, we're all architects and designers here. Obviously, a lot of our friends are also architects and designers, yeah. so it's pretty easy for that yeah. to spread. Um, yeah. We had the commons here, which isn't the Nightingale model, but I guess you could call it the... Mm. What do you call it? Oh, I've forgotten the word. It's like... The, the prototype. The, or yeah, the, the, you the know. MVP yeah. Like, kind of thing. Like, yeah. it just... It just yeah, it's like the exactly. early the demo. Yeah, and um, you know, this won a bunch of awards. I think it was fourteen altogether, including yeah. um, you know, sustainability awards and multi res awards. So yeah. it got a fair bit of it publicity, got like a fair like, bit of coverage. Yeah, yeah I remember studying yeah. it in uni, um, um, you know, a little while ago. So it's, like that that yeah. spread. So then yeah. you hear about the Commons, you hear about Breathe, you hear about Jeremy McLeod. Yeah, um, that that's quite easy to sort of see how that's worked up. Then you know we do hold a lot of information evenings, and as that um, yeah, as that waitlist I guess grew, um, you know we pro- we say to everyone, hey, we're holding this, we're hosting mm. this information. Like, Come mm. down if you're interested. Come mm. and hear what we're doing. So more and more people here. Then you've got the mix up of you know we get, we get a lot of write ups and a, yeah. a lot of interviews and articles. Yeah. I'm sure that helps in some yes. small way. Yeah. Um, Nightingale One started winning a lot of awards. I mean it's only. It's yeah. only been complete for about eight months now. So yeah. I think even over the next few months or few years, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, yeah. And then I guess, which we sort of spoke about earlier, there is obviously a bit of, or quite a bit of crossover between Breathe and Nightingale Housing. Yeah. Um, 
and and I think that works really well. But it also means here at Breathe, we've we've got quite a a good chance to um, to publicise the work we're doing over there and what Nightingale Housing's doing, and then we get quite a bit of interest from clients that might not have yeah. thought about it. And it's not necessarily that they're going to go and buy one, but yeah, I do think a lot of it's word of mouth or yeah. or articles and people reading it. Um, and now, you know, we've got a bunch of residents in there who all have their yeah, own pools yeah, of friends yeah, and contacts. Yeah. And so it just keeps growing. Yeah, um, it's like there's actually... So there's like, you know, developers would pay PR teams huge amounts of money to try and land stories about their developments in like yeah. the newspaper and yeah. like online. Very rarely going to happen. Yeah. Um, because they're not newsworthy in any particular way. They're just sort of like the the thing that's done there's no story there but there's sort of stories at every single level of nightingale from like the macro level at the top which is like the concept which is in itself a story the sort of halfway level which is the architecture and then mm. the micro level is like all these kind of community stories yeah that are like all these personal stories all these characters all this sort of social stuff yeah. going on no. so you've got these like it's successful at all the levels that the media really care about. No, so no, I agree. It's, it's so like, um, yeah, it's it, it. It must be. I mean, we we had a little phone call before the meeting, but you spoke about how it has helped breathe, and the reason that I'm kind of well support supported some client interest in breathe. Yeah. And the reason that I'm interested in that is because I don't think a lot of architects um, think much about creating a side project other than their business yeah as a way to maybe bring some attention to their business yeah um but in the case of breathe that's been that's been kind of helpful so you 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 spoke about some different like apartments and and stuff that you guys are working on yeah sure so i guess like completely um unintentional i get uniting our housing was set up by jeremy as a response to some of the work that was happening here at breathe yeah. but also that his colleagues were doing so working for developers yeah. Yeah. that are driven by dollar signs and yeah. fed up had yeah. enough like just wanted architects to do what they do really yeah. well yeah and which is why nightingale housing was set up and now it's funny that we've kind of come full circle and 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 again not not um set up at all but it's um the work that we do at nightingale housing has sort of yet yeah, come back to I guess as interest to some of our more commercial clients here at Breathe yeah. who see what we're doing there. And I think the biggest credit to Nightingale Housing is the community it's created. Yeah. It's walking out to Florence Street, it's seeing, you know, Home yeah. One, the little yeah. social yeah. enterprise cafe there, um, livening up the street. It's the fact that the commons and the Nightingale residents, as well as all the local residents in other apartments yeah. and homes, yeah. um, you know, petitioning the council and working with the council to set up the pocket park that's out yeah. there at the moment. Things like that which I don't think a normal developer would be driven to facilitate or support um, is incredible to watch. And, yeah. and again, it's not us. It's just sort of helping facilitate that and supporting it because we're genuinely interested yes. in yes. the street and the yeah. community becoming a better place. Would I think the funny thing with the developers is that, like, what I love is that probably their diagram of, like, how to save money in a building would be the same line diagram but yeah. without design, without community, yeah, without whatever, and then that makes everything kind of cheaper. Yeah. But but, you, but what I really found fascinating about that was you said that originally the, it was the work that Jeremy and Breathe and, their, and his colleagues were doing for the developers where they weren't giving them, I, I imagine, kind of just not listening to some of these ideas about how you can make a building a really big success, not just, like, socially, environmentally, yeah. but 
but commercially as well in terms of drive all this interest to it, get all this, um, inv- not investment, but buy-in by the local government and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, they probably just wouldn't have believed it was possible to, no, to, make, no, to like- make a project that successful, but now it's kind of been demonstrated. And now it's like, oh, we were totally wrong. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know if they'll tell us <laughs> they, that. They, they would, but, um, I think when they, I think what, <laughs> I think in their mind they were kind of like, oh, oh damn. <laughs> it's like it's like a record label passing over a musician, then they go on and become like Justin Bieber or something, yeah. and it's like, it's a bit that like, would be nice. it's like oh, maybe I should have like you know actually <laughs> done like you. done some of those yeah. ideas they were talking about. Yeah, back then. I think like often when we're in the room with developers, we're either brought in because we've got a good name and they think yeah. it'll help sell. Or because, you know, they've got to tick the box that they had it architecturally designed. But in terms of our actual opinion or design opinion being taken on, it's it's more than often just sort of ignored or, you know, maybe 10% of it will be taken and then you'll go and see some sad little planter box with one plant in it, which you weren't <laughs> intended to. So, yeah. yes, that, that's, that's in an the exact worst, response. That's in the worst case scenario kind of thing. Yeah, and but now like, I guess what yeah. we're saying is that yeah. you're exactly right. Developers can see the success in Nightingale. More often I think exactly what I was saying before is that I think the things that are most successful are things that, I mean, they could try and replicate and we're not we're not shy about it, but it's not yeah. actually anything we're doing. Yeah. Um, but, yes, on the flip side, doubling back with we have now been approached by quite a few um, straight-to-market developers, you know, essentially wanting to, to cash in on the success of Nightingale. And um, I think I, I was saying to you before, like, most people are like, oh, why why would you go and help them like what whatever <laughs> scumbags like um and that would that would be easy to do to say like hang yeah. on like yeah. we've been working really really yeah. hard to yeah. get this up and running um you know our lips are sealed mm. but i guess coming back to some of the things that we try and achieve in particular in terms of um environmental sustainability mm. like if we've got the ability to help them churn their you know poorly performing building into you know a far better performing building both mm. for the environment but also the residents mm. like mm. why would we say no like yeah. our you know our, our our motivation is not to become yeah. the best yeah uh, you know, like, developer in the world yeah. um it's, yeah. it's really just to make our cities a better place yeah. so if that helps do it through breathe not a problem we yeah. enjoy doing it it means that our Ideas and opinions are heard, um, yeah. and are valid and, and are often taken on. And, totally, um, yeah. Well, we like, think it's great. Breathe is another part that I think is fascinating. Is that, um, you know, and the reason that I believe that is because you believe that you know, breathe isn't you know pursuing it out of greed, but just a sense of sort of like get like the role is the of breathe is to just kind of get the ball rolling and yeah. then try and find the right people the right collaborators to take it sort of the rest of the way yeah and you see that from all the different architecture firms you've worked with yeah now i can't imagine any other industry necessarily where somebody would go i'm going to start something and then i'm going to go directly to my competition and put them in a position where they can make fees on it and they can get the celebrity for it and they can get the yeah you know like there's something unique about this situation where it's just been so open to to other to other architecture firms So I see, uh, sort of, but do you want to like, so maybe explain a little bit about what what sort of other architects kind of what they do. So you, it's architect driven, but I think one thing we wanted to kind of clarify is that 
by that we, by that you don't mean it's just breathe driven. It's like no, it's no, driven no. by so there's, like yeah. There's, um, to date, there's been a whole licensing process that happens, um, I guess, on the side. Which um, so essentially, we're we're approached by architects all all day, all week long, um, mm. from all around the country. Going, oh, I've heard about Nightingale. I'm really interested to run one. Um, I guess similar to my work here at Breathe, I sort of jumped ship a bit over at Nottingham Housing and another part of my role is helping sift through those people. Again, like, you know, sort of sussing them out over the phone, doing a bit of research on their practice, um, hearing about what they love to do, what they do well, um, and particularly their experience in... in, I tend to try and find out if they've had experience in multi-res, but sometimes, and I'll get to that in a minute... Um, we're not super prescriptive, but we just need to make sure that they're great architects. Mm. The model um, is quite uh, intricate and and complex. It's not it's not it's not that hard to understand, but it does take um, it does take a, a bit of effort and understanding. And we need to make sure that the, mm. I guess the values and the vision of the practice wishing to take it on are, are in line yeah, with what we do course, because yeah. it is a lot of work. So. Um, I guess once we've sort of sifted through there, we'll then invite them to apply for a Nightingale licence. Um, mm. It's a pretty rigorous licensing application in terms of like they're asked to fill in quite literally an application form with a bunch of questions explaining what they do, mm. submit a folio and a statement. Mm. That's then taken to our licensing committee, which meets mm. every couple of months, and we essentially pitch and hear those architects' applications and mm. then either their licence is granted or denied mm. or granted with conditions um, mm. And from there, they, you know, as long as they're granted, they're sort of given the licence, given the IP, mm. given the support from us, mm. and hopefully start Nightingale. Yeah. Um, and is that just like project. a really massive IKEA instruction book? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but no, there's like, there's a bunch of documents because, I mean, yeah. and, and nor should anyone understand, but there's, you know, there's a lot of legal frameworks that people, um, well, that yeah. their projects or architects need to incorporate, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. financial, sustainability. There's a bunch of stuff that um, of they stuff. might not have ever mm. done before mm. or exactly like what here at Breathe, like they might have not had the opportunity to do it before because they've been working for a developer who will take care of all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's all that. So, um, yeah, Nightingale Housing was not set up for Breathe to run the show. Um, we obviously did the first one and we're working on a bunch of others because we love it and mm. um, we think we do a good job. But the idea is that each project will be led by a different architect or, you know, they could have, they can do multiples, that's not a problem, mm. um, with the idea that they'll then go on to teach other architects how to do it. Oh, so it really? becomes this whole... So how does that work? They Well, the idea is like if... They can then grant licenses? No, so they no. can't grant, no, but no, then they can yeah. support... Um, the next, yeah. you know, up and coming practice. Yeah. So that's why um, we also ask that like, if if a smaller practice who's doing amazing things but might not have like mm. the necessary experience yeah. be granted their own license, yeah. they can actually potentially um, JV with a bigger firm. Yeah, have the support and expertise behind them, but but drive the project. So yeah. um, we've got like some incredible architects working on, mm. let's say, like the next project, Nightingale Village. You know, we've got Kennedy Nolan. Mm. Claire Cousins, mm. um, Austin Maynard Architects mm. again. Mm. We've got Architecture Architecture, so a really young yeah. practice that, um, yeah. that we're JVing with here at yeah. Breathe. Um, 
And we've even, we've also got like Hable, so one of the I guess mm, biggest, biggest and friends. oldest Australian yep. practices yep. running, yep. Um, which brings a whole new set of ideas. It's, um, it's starting to get like an almost like Venice Biennale flavor to it, where it's like it'll it'll be like in fifty years' time there'll be like these architecture tours of like every prominent architecture firm like designed one of these buildings yeah, and they're and located like how, all over the place how and, beautiful that be like yeah you know oh we've also got like well while we're working on one like yep. all the seven very distinct Super australian architects firms, all doing yeah. amazing stuff in their yeah. own right yeah. um and then having the opportunity to you know showcase um their skills and i guess their their studios you know vibes in a building yeah. is pretty yeah. pretty amazing um and then that mixed with the fact that they're all sort of on one broken up but super site, I think. Yeah. We're just yeah, so yeah, excited to see cool. how um how that will pop up. So yeah, where we get bigger sites we we try and split it into multiple buildings and, and we'd much rather have a couple of different firms working on it. Yeah. We've got more ideas on the room. And working together. Yeah, as more well. yeah, exactly. More opportunity bit, yeah. to collaborate and like the buildings become better for it when yeah. you're workshopping. You know, ideas with like literally Australia's top architects yeah. Yeah. doesn't it's get much nuts. better. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's I think that's us for today. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming no, coming thank on. You. And uh, is wait is before we before we wrap it up, is there anything that you or Breathe or Nightingale would like to plug to an audience of Ooh. of probably architects, some interior designers, and my mum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave's mum. Um, <laughs> Oh, look, we're always looking for wonderful and new opportunities to work. So, um, you know, we're busy, but never too busy. We love taking on yeah, new clients, new adventures, new challenges. So if anyone's interested in working with us at Breathe, please hit us up on our website. Um, Nightingale Housing, we're, yeah, we're always looking for more supporters and champions. Um, yep. If there's incredible architects wanting to get involved, let us know through Nightingale Housing. Um, or you know, come along to next information session. Get on board. Follow the the uncurated Instagram <laughs> so you can Insta, see what we're doing. But um, yeah, just get in contact. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Cool.